welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Have you, uh, have you recovered appropriately from the uh, festival that was last weekend? I have definitely recovered from something, but I'm heading right into Comic-Con, so the train Oof. never stops rolling. Clearly. Also joining us is Eric Van Allen. Hello, hello. I am still in the throes of Monster Seed madness. I will Monster never, Seed. I'll never recover. I'll never Are bounce Are we just back. going to make a shirt that says Monster Seed? Yeah, but for legal reasons, it has to say M-O-N-S-T-A-H so we don't get sued by whoever <laughs> owns the rights to Monster Seed. <laughs> Who's that? at this point who, who knows I've, anymore i don't know who has the rights to anything lunar is on the mega drive mini somehow and i've been trying to figure out who has the rights to lunar for ages so good question i wonder if it'll make it west if that's the case well we have a great episode for you this week we are going to be continuing the summer of gundam in a big way because we're going to be talking about the rpgs that were inspired by our favorite mecha anime series we're also going to be doing uh all of the usual news and we'll be talking about that sega genesis mini which isn't in my notes but i feel like we should probably talk about it so we're gonna be doing that one on the fly uh before we get started uh thank you so much for listening to acts of the blood god if you enjoy the show please do us a favor and leave a uh review on the podcast of your choice it helps the visibility of the podcast and it brightens our day you can follow me on twitter at the underscore catbot Nadia is at Nadia Oxford, and Eric is at Samoosi, S-C-A-M-O-O-S-I. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, which has lots of specials, lots of pantheons, and lots of other amazing content that you can go and listen to and access for as little as $5 a month. That's the cost of a cup of coffee, and it helps keep this podcast going. Just last weekend, we hosted a charity live stream in which we raised $10,000 for Trans Lifeline. It was amazing. We had an incredible time. It gave us Monster Seed. <laughs> it gave us the Blood God Olympics. It gave me having a complete mental breakdown over like ranking Final Fantasy VI against Secret of Mana. It gave us that PS1 that like fever dream of a PS1 tier RPG tier list. <laughs> I barely uh, remember doing that. That was so much fun. It also gave us a host of unlocked content. First of all, um, I have released Persona 5 onto the Pantheon. The Pantheon episode of Persona 5 is now available on the free feed for everybody to listen as thank you for support during the charity live stream. It's a really good one and you should go and listen to it. Also, uh, because we hit the $5,000 level, we are going to be doing another D&D episode with a D&D uh, guest D&D DM, Shivam Bhatt. And finally, because we hit the $10,000 level, because of all of you, um, we're going to be doing Autumn of the Avatar, in which we watch Avatar The Last Airbender, a show that I've never watched. And we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be doing specials about it. So that is the next big thing that is coming up in the fall. And there will be content both for our patrons and also for regular listeners. I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. So thank you so much for your incredible, incredible support. Oh, and finally, we also did a special um, as part of the uh, thing, and that's available now. 
for patrons. That's the top 10 party rankings, uh, party member rankings inspired by Dragon Quest Eleven. Which game has the best party? Dragon Quest Eleven, Mass Effect 2, Chrono Trigger, Planescape Torment, which I inexplicably fa- forgot in the <laughs> final rankings, and I f- still feel horrible about that. Go listen to the episode. We have special guests John Carson and Ben Hansen, and we've got another special coming out this week, and that is going to be our deep dive into the history of Monolith Soft. So Axe of the Blood God listeners be eaten this month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, uh, we do a live recording every single Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific or 6 p.m. Pacific this coming week. But uh, we are joined by our stars of destiny in the chat, Nick, who include this week, Beware the Slimes, Drew RWX, Kal-El, Not Hollow, Mango Alts, and Spirus. Thank you so much for your generous support. And we love vibing with you in the comments and just making jokes about Monster Seed and all of that. <laughs> but okay. It's time to talk about what we've been playing, what are our sacrifices to the Blood God, and Eric, Eric, you've been modding your Steam Deck. Don't do that. Stop that. <laughs> Look, allegedly, allegedly, theoretically, if someone perhaps wanted to make their Steam Deck do things that it can't do right out of the box, nothing's stopping you. Nothing's stopping you from, from doing this with your Steam Deck. And that's this was spurred on by a few things. This was spurred on by Cat being frustrated with the Steam Deck. So in some ways I'm trying to prove to Cat that the Steam Deck is a worthwhile handheld. And let me tell y'all, it's never been a better time to have a really moddable PC in the palm of your hand. Uh number two, I, I came out of that PS1 RPG ranking being like, there's a lot of games out there that I'd like to acquaint myself with. Especially like that middle tier. We all know Final Fantasy 7. Everybody knows Final Fantasy VII. That's why it's so good. But not everybody knows Monster Seed. Even some like, you know, Vagrant Story, Wild Arms, you know, you want to kind of get back in there, refamiliarize yourself with them. So it seemed like a good idea. So I spent a lot of this week just learning how a lot of the MU deck stuff with the Steam Deck works because a lot of people have been talking about it. A lot of people have been sharing those links around about how to mod the Steam Deck and I will say it is both easier and more complicated than I expected. <laughs> that is that has been my large takeaway from the process is that uh, I once it started working, I could not believe how easy it was to put things on my Steam Deck and make them run. But it was getting to that point that was a bit complicated. It was uh yeah, I had to learn a lot about Linux in the span of a couple of days. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. I had to uh, learn about Linux and, and failed spectacularly when I had actually one of the first runs of a netbook, EEC PC or something like that, and it was running on Linux. And that was the stupidest thing I'd ever, because to this day, I can't use it because it only had WEP and nobody will accept WEP anymore for online. So I can't go in there and update it to WPA because... It's just its guts are just illogical to me, and I don't know anything about Linux. And it was really hard for me to learn, so I didn't get very far. Uh, why would you do? I know that it was a open. It's like an open source, smaller software, uh, rather operating system that you can use. But dear God, so yeah, it runs the Steam Deck out of the box. Runs on a Linux distro because, I mean, take your pick. Really, it's just because Linux is 
easier for them to for do uh, for them to use rather than Windows because you don't have to license Windows sure. or license yeah. Linux. You don't run into that stuff. Uh, you get to use the Steam OS that they have built, which is Linux based, I believe. Um, it did mean that, like, say for example, I, I got a SD card on on the sales that were happening this week and stuck it into my steam deck so i could format it and then when i wanted to put it on my pc so i could put something on it to move over to my steam deck now all of a sudden i'm dealing with a file type that windows does not want to play yeah. nice with so uh windows was going like hey i want to hey. format you i, I want to be able to read you <laughs> and steam deck was like no i can't read that other thing leave it leave it how it was and i was like oh so i i went down a rabbit hole i'm not gonna go too deep into the how to uh just out of you know abundance of caution and all that but the end result is that the steam deck is very malleable it's very able to be modded and it's really fun to tinker with which is what i bought it in the first place because i wanted to tinker with hardware that makes sense and it's fun to tinker with um and and once you get it working it does work but i will also back cat up in the uh the statement that the steam deck is not the most straightforward out of the box mm. experience. You are right going to spend a lot of time Googling things and reading about how someone else's problem is kind of like yours, but only like tangentially. That's so like you kind of support. have to combine their solution with some other solutions, but then there's like a new box you discover. So now you've learned something different that you need to specifically do to make your setup work. It's a whole thing, but that's not, that's not my idea of a good time. Well, weirdly enough, I came out of a weekend of figuring out how to do SRT streaming and how to handle, you know, things coming in through my firewall and basically giving myself a crash course in network engineering. And I said, you know what's relaxing? I'm just going to learn Linux. I'm just going to do that. (laughs) That's a nice dessert. I did not play many games, sadly. My week was building a system in which I will be able to play games in the future. So that's maybe the most PC gamer thing I could have done is Eric spend a lot of time. time. Yeah. Your yeah. Time. Yeah. Steam deck is just a Trojan horse for turning Eric into a Linux sicko. It is, you know, it doesn't take me much to push, <laughs> to push over the wall in terms of becoming a sicko, but um, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time. I'm looking forward to actually like toying with it and see what this hardware can do now that I've got it kind of in the ballpark of what I want it to do. So, uh, I'll do some updates in the Discord and all that about that stuff. My Steam Deck redeemed itself during the Bloodgod Olympics by allowing me to play Towerfall uh, pretty yeah. well, mm-hmm. actually. It did, yeah. Steam you remote play together. It was you like, won the okay, Olympics. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, I won the Olympics and I beat Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was victorious. Mm-hmm. When it came down to the moment when it all mattered, you know, I mean, yes, Eric won in the regular season but in the championship mm-hmm. when it really mattered i was victorious do we want to roll the tape back eric. to back of the box do we want to go back to back of the box again <laughs> eric you know what you did you did that thing where you danced in front of the I touchdown did. line and then the fumbled the ball and then lost <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm That's guessing okay. there are football players All that, do that really matters is being able to win all of just win when it matters, man. Just win when it matters. Um, but no, I so and, and like Super Robot Wars 30 is fine on it for the most part. 
Final Fantasy V won't boot on it anymore for some reason. I would never play anything but console games that are going to come out on the thing anyway. Um, I think it's kind of neat that it plays God of War and Horizon, I guess. I'm going to buy Stray mm-hmm. on it. As, yeah, Stray's going to be great. Because it's not going to be super... I mean, it's not out on Switch yet. <clears throat> so basically, the Steam Deck's giving me an early look. I'm never going to mod it because I don't want to play emulators on it, actually. And I don't want to jailbreak it or whatever. So um, I guess I'm just not the audience for a Steam Deck. But I funny thing about the Steam Deck, I saw one on the ferry home the other day. I was like, oh my God, a Steam Deck in the wild. I can't believe it didn't burst into flames. It's incredible. Doesn't it need Wi-Fi? Was there Wi-Fi on the ferry? It doesn't need Wi-Fi. It's fine. I thought it needs Wi-Fi. Mm-mm. No, no. It doesn't have to okay. be connected. Yeah. It's just cool. the battery is very, battery life is very short. And yeah. if you try to connect yeah. it to a different Wi-Fi, it's going to melt. So don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't switch your Wi-Fi and your Steam Deck, everyone. Small glitch, no problem. Uh, Nadia, looks like you finished Omori. What did you think? It was a very wholesome experience, wasn't it? Jesus Christ Almighty! What a what a heartfelt, <laughs> lovely game that was. Oh Christ! I had a whole day of just being messed up after that was done. I was just like, I'm gonna go outside and take a walk. Just and here's the thing: I'm I don't want to be mean about wholesome games, so I feel kind of done with the experience of like comfort games all the time, twenty four seven, because I'm less like sad these days and more angry and just kind of covering all that mm. up with like mm-hmm. sunshine and cotton candy and friendship is, is not going to do it for me anymore. So when I started Omori, I was like, Oh, well, here it comes another earthbound like game where I'm told that it's bad to fight or whatever, but uh, it kind of went in a, a very different direction. There's some Quite real night direction. Doesn't there's it? some yeah. real nightmare stuff in that game. And I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it did kind of feel like the gameplay parts diverged from the story a little more than i like like i didn't care about the princess castle thing or the casino was kind of cool because i like the alligator guys but uh i think the battle system is really in- interesting and unique but i was really just there for what's going to happen next what's going to happen next oh shit that's really bad i found the real and, world stuff much more interesting than the fantasy yeah, stuff the real world stuff was like really but once you started to kind of connect the real world stuff and had to compare it to the the fantasy stuff, you realize, okay, I'm seeing some really disturbing parallels here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's yeah, a really intense it. game. Um, it's a, especially that last go, battle. You should do the Hikimori playthrough now. I was thinking about that, but it's one of those games where I put so much emotional energy into it that I was like, I got to give myself a bit of a rest. Before you should, t- I, you should I give yourself anything. a bit of a rest, yeah. Yeah, in some ways a cliche because it combines... You know, so many tropes of the classic indie horror RPG plus Earthbound. But I, I don't know. I think it executes on those ideas really well. So It does. It executes on them real well because it's a matter of, okay, you're dealing with dark feelings, which is a very, very, very common trope in indie RPGs. But then you get to the heart of why those feelings manifested. And that's where the game really shines for me. That's what really kept me going. I... Yeah, no. So if you haven't tried Omori, you should go check it out. It's available on most platforms at this point. I played it. I got it on Switch. And yeah, it runs just fine on Switch, of mm. course. I'm not surprised because it's a very simple game, but quite pretty. I love the, the Crayola crayon. I love the, look. The, the pencil crayon uh, battle mm-hmm. stuff. That's really cool. I like the uh, one thing I will give this game over Undertale is that it has a lot of, I feel like the primitive graphics mesh a lot better with what the more advanced graphics are there. Like the the cinemas that you get are really excellent. They're just really well put together and the use of color and 
just the the monster designs and the blackness and the bleakness. It's all very, very done well. I actually got the best possible ending, like on my first try. Good job, even, you. Heck even yeah. the secret scene that you get uh, after the credits. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, like, okay, you know what? It's uh, sometimes a happy ending is the best thing to end on. That's why I haven't really done the hikimori yet. Well done. As for me, I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, which is definitely a Monster Hunter expansion pack. Um, I made the joke on NVC that it's a little bit like the Simpsons quote where it's like, you're going to fight the monsters again, again and again and again in different colors. <laughs> no. <laughs> so here I am fighting Arathian again and uh, Golden Ludron again. And the the stupid, the, the white snake thing, Kezu, mm -hmm. another Kezu again, which Those, is fine. Yeah, but now it's a master disturbing. rank. It's master rank, so it's okay. The 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 good news is that uh, apparently Sunbreak backloads. It's um it's tougher monsters and it's more unique and it's more interesting monsters in the, the latter half of the game. So I'm kind of like, okay. So I'd rather have that be toward the end than be front loaded at the beginning and then fight repetitive crap at the end. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of rolling through it. It's fine, whatever. But um, I. Uh, we, I, I played a whole bunch this week, but now my group, I'm going to be at Comic-Con and everybody else in my group like is busy with other things. So we're taking another like week long break. So I'm not even going to get mm. back to it until I get back from Comic-Con. When I played Monster Hunter Stories 2, I ran into like kudzu after kudzu. I ran into a really crimson one, which was beautiful color. It was such a disturbing monster. Mm -hmm. God, I hate finding kudzu. <laughs> They're just kind of obscene. I always play with a bow against Kazu because I don't want to get too close to it. Ew, ears flinging arrows from a distance. I'm just Go like, oh, oh, God, stay away, stay away. Um, Monster Hunter Rise, I have not been really using the switch skill abilities that are like one of the new quality of life things because I'm like, whatever, I kind of have my moveset and I mm -hmm. don't feel mm -hmm. super inclined to switch. Maybe there's like some higher level thing uh, going on with the play there. I am really gratified that you can just run up walls now rather than having to use the stupid wire bugs to get to the top. Mm. It makes it mm -hmm. so much easier to traverse the map. But for the, the wire bug, I'm trying to remember because it's been a while. Um, you could use it to kind of go long distances as well as run up cliffs though, right? Like it was... Uh, uh, there was the it... jewel lily like bugs yeah, that yeah. would allow you to jump all the way to the top of a cliff or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, uh, cool. So that's an interesting quality of life change then. I like what Beware the Slime said. Monster Hunter Seed, it has Gundams in it now. Honestly? <laughs> <laughs> finally. Finally. We got there. Gundam we Seed. No, I'm Gundam never going to look at that game the same way again. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Monster Hunter Seed. Real talk, though. I think playing a Monster Hunter but with Gundams would be pretty neat. I mean, that's what Xenogears... Uh, X on Xenogears, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X was kind of like that. You were fighting monsters in uh, right, yeah, in, in in mechs, and and to a lesser extent, I guess that's what Anthem was going for, and unfortunately, it flubbed pretty bad. But hear me Sweet. out. You're <laughs> playing with your friends. Things. You've got a team of four mechs. Each one has a different role, so you can have your, you know, your accuracy plus healing mech, and you can have your tank, tanky Gundam. And you can have your kind of more DPS or like melee focused Gundam. Um, and you all go in uh, against 
enemy mechs or groups of enemy mechs of different shapes and sizes. Okay. And it's, it's like monster hunter in that regard. We just made virtual on, I'm just going to inform everybody that we accidentally Isn't just that made an virtual arena battler. On. Yeah. But like, what's the difference? <laughs> You're fighting Let's an just AI. Make a, a Dino oh, riders okay. RPG solve everything at once. You have dinosaurs which are cool monsters. You have monsters with, with a bunch of metal shit all over them. That's Gundam ish. If it's monsters like dinosaurs, then that's basically what Exoprimal is, is like four people in mechs and then a giant hole in the sky that just spits out Velociraptor. But the Velociraptors (laughs) aren't kind of mecked up themselves. Okay, so we need like we need Dinobots then. Dinobots, yeah. Beast Wars. Okay. I'm thinking more in terms of fighting mobile armors from Gundam, like the big ones. Oh, Okay. Yes, yeah. I mean this. This is a pitch for the next armor core. Then is like you go out mm. on excursions and you take down big name targets and rip some of their guns off and strap them to yourself. You're like, this is my gun now, and and you go home and patch it up. Would be cool if pitch. you could get yeah. in close enough to actually slice parts off with your beam saber. Ow. Mm-hmm. Fun mm-hmm. fact, divisionary fact: Beast Wars was Beasties in Canada because we weren't allowed to have wars in the title on YTV. <laughs> mm. I've heard of the Beasties. I saw a documentary about them on Vice. It was very. So (laughs) when I, I actually went to preview a game, a Family Guy game that never came out. Thank God. And one of the guys working on the game was, used to be from Mainframe. I was like, oh, that's so amazing. Because he's like, oh yeah, I worked on Beasties. I worked on Reboot. And I was like, oh, I am going to sit here and talk to you because you're just like my my best friend now. I was huge into Reboot. Uh, I remember we held over the third season over America for a long time. That was good times. Great show. One of the few things Canada can hold over America alongside good health care. Anyway. Well, also the littlest hobo. Anyway, sorry. That's it for what we've been playing. It's now time for a series of random encounters. Elden Ring is still the best-selling game of 2022 to date. There's a virtual tour of Japan's Pokemon Fossil Exhibit. Mass Effect and Dragon Age DLCs, uh, Dragon Age's DLC is now free after Bioware points were discontinued. Fuga Melodies of Steel 2 has been officially announced, meaning more furries and more tanks. Yes, Eric is doing the thumbs up like hell yeah, because Fuga game, Melodies of Steel was great. Yeah, that, that game, game whipped, cool. for sure. Uh, Bandai Namco was hacked by ransomware. Uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2, the re-release, will be hitting PC and consoles this summer. And Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous is getting a console release on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on September 29th. But the big story this week is that the Sega Genesis Mini 2 has a release date. It's coming out in late October 2022. If you didn't buy it the first time, well, guess what? You can buy a lot more games where that came from. Uh, a lot of games have been confirmed for North America. Maybe not as many as you would like for some of the, for North American fans. Uh, Shining in the Darkness is in there. That's mm-hmm. the, the dungeon mm-hmm. crawler that's based in the, the the Shining series. But otherwise, I'm not really seeing any uh, confirmed RPGs for the most part on the North American version. However, Japanese RPG fans, as usual, will be eaten because listen to this. They get Popful Mail on the because they get Sega CD games. So they get Popful Mail, Shining Force CD, 
and they get both of the lunar games. That's really That's cool. crazy. Are we is are we not going to get those? Is that like just something that not confirmed for North America yet? Not yet. And I've got yet. hope because some of this stuff was I think Shining Force CD is confirmed for America right now. I think it's in the initial lineup, but um, I've got hope because there's been a weird kind of staggered announcement around some of this stuff. And also like the way this is being brought over, because I was actually looking at pre-ordering it because ironically, before they announced Lunar for the Japanese version, I made a tweet saying, please, God, give me Lunar <laughs> so you can thank me, world, for doing what I do. But I went to Amazon the day that they announced this because I was going to see if I could put it in my cart and lock in a pre-order early. And the only way you can pre-order right now is with like an extra $20 in shipping because I think they're just shipping stuff over from Japan. It's really very strange, but... I'm hopeful that that's at least an indication that there's going to be more of a game parody between the Japanese version and the North American version than we've sometimes seen in these uh, classic consoles, that maybe we get some stuff that normally they would kind of divvy up between the regions, we might get a more equal version of this. And that means we get, you know, I, I know that people will say like the PlayStation versions of Lunar are the better ones. They're the ones to play. Yes, that is accurate. That's true. However, I am surviving on crumbs here, people. I am trying to live and live a good life with Lunar in it. <laughs> and if I can get Lunar on on this that's something all right so let me have something in the year 2022 all right i think that um the features that you get with the genesis mini like the consoles like the speed up and save state i don't know if those are all in the in the new genesis mini but i'm thinking that would help get through a more kind of tedious retro rpg like lunar but mm -hmm. my question is what kind of worries me is the unconfirmed rpgs are all kind of under that working designs banner and we don't know what's going to happen because I don't know what their well, working designs will put their name front and center with whatever they localize as if they kind of made the game, which is not true. But I don't know how much they owe, how much they own any of the properties if they do at all. I don't know if they would use those old translations or have to make them new ones. Because every yeah, that's 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 a big where question. the sticking point. Yeah, because yeah, that's just like extremely retro. They'd, I'd love to investigate it as like an old example of game localization, but. I don't know how much they own or what they own because they were really involved in making the, in, in those games. So we'll see what happens, I suppose. Question for you two. Which is better, OG Genesis design or the more classic, the, the one that came out, the redesigned version? That's I always the, the Mega OG. Drive Mini 2 is based on. I always liked OG. That was my childhood. I, w I grew up on six button, so that's like what I default to. Um, but... Like, like the Genesis was probably one of the first consoles I ever started playing games on. Like I have those foggy memories of like small baby Eric playing like Sonic and stuff like that on there. Oh, bless. Um, like I think some of the Disney games too, like Lion King For and sure. Aladdin and all that. Um, that Lion King game was way too hard, by the that way. Lion King that's, game that's, was that's what everybody said. It's a messed up game to give to a child, but um those it giraffes is. haunt my nightmares but <laughs> um it's i i i go six button every time just because that's what i'm used oh, to 100 percent. 
Uh, but you could play the original Genesis with a six-button controller. Mm, mm, that's true. I remember true. Katie showing us a picture of her as a baby, an actual toddler, watching her uncle play Sonic 2. And I, I literally aged 10, to, mm-hmm. 10 years that day. Oh, uh, so sweet. Oh, my God. It was cute, but I'm like, oh, when that was out, I was already like 12 or, or whatever the year it was. There's a photo of me somewhere, like a small baby in my dad's lap, and we're playing Duck Hunt together. Like he's, we're, we're holding the gun together and shooting That's at the adorable. screen. There's a tiny a photo of tiny baby cat uh, reaching up to a TV while my dad plays Atari 5200. Which looks like he was playing Star Raiders. There's a there photo an entry. of me. Go ahead. There's a photo of me just kind of lying on my mom's lap, and I'm drinking a bottle while she's smoking. It was the 80s. I was going to say, where is Nadia going with this? Because we're going to be like, I was playing Duck Hunt. Cat's like, oh, it's Ari. Nadia's like, there's a mugshot of me at age three. <laughs> Not that I know of yet. Knocked over <sighs> at Toys R Us. There's a good rule of threes moment right there. But I, uh, my next question is, Eric, you said you're going to pre-order one. Uh, Nadia, are you going to get one? Do you already have the Sega Stack uh, version of the original? No, actually, we were supposed to get the Sega stack. Mike was going to send me his, but he never sent it. And I was like, Mike. But uh, we do have the original. My husband's a big Genesis fan, so we definitely pre-ordered the original. The second one, I think we're less sure about unless we see what we're getting. Like, I actually... um, Was Final Fight CD confirmed for the West yet? Because I would actually buy it Uh, That that. was also in the list of games that has been confirmed for Japan, but has not been confirmed for the US yet. At a certain point, I'd probably get the Japanese version just to have some of these games, you know? I can't read Japanese. read it. (laughs) That's the problem. Yes, but I can play Popful Mail, a game that doesn't necessarily okay, need text. Yeah, that's fair. Popful Mail but is I, I is would rad. want it partially for Lunar, and I would not play mm-hmm. Lunar in Japanese. And so if we don't get the Japanese games, then I'm not going to bother if they're replaced by something like freaking Decap Attack, whatever that game was for the 50th time. Oh, God. Yeah. I I own a, uh, turbo, a PC Engine Mini. We have one. And yeah. I thought it was a fine solution just to be like, look, we're not going to localize Snatch or whatever, but it, it's here. If you want to play it, I would have loved maniac. to localize it, though. I actually got it. We got a TurboGrafx um, Mini from a very, very kind uh, listener, actually, who sold me his because I wanted uh, it as a, a gift for my husband. So thank you. If you ever if you're a star of Destiny and you join us for a weekly uh, recording, you can see behind me that there is a PC Engine Mini going on at all times, just because I like the attract mode. Oh, is that what it is? On the TV. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Because I remember looking at it and being like, that doesn't look like... I would look over and see, like, you know, Rondo of Blood sometimes, and then I'd see, like, a shmup, and I'd be like, I don't recognize too many of these games. What's Cat doing? I always meant to ask you, so that's my answer. That's my, that's my PC Engine Mini. But um, as for the Sega CD Mini 2, I don't actually think I would buy one, because... I have plenty of mini consoles already. I got a lot of consoles, actually, and I don't know where I would hook it up necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't actually mm-hmm. have a ton of room. I might bring it to work and actually hook it, hook it in to, up to the monitor there. Let everyone play. Yay. Yeah, no, exactly. But I, I've i become a more of a retro elitist progressively where I'm just like, no, I, I want to get the real thing and I want to plug it into my mm-hmm. CR television. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I want a Saturn Mini. Now, there's some RPGs that are lost into time. Actually, uh, Axe of the Blood God listener DJ Bagel Pup is trying to corrupt me into buying a Sega Dreamcast. And I'm just like, 
I have oh my a god, Dreamcast. you might do that to me. I am also in the process of talking to someone who is moving and has been like taking down all their retro stuff, and they're like, I have a Dreamcast and some controllers and games for it. And I'm like, I never owned a Dreamcast when I was a kid. I always wanted a Dreamcast, but never got one. I'm an adult with money now. I can do that. I can buy these things. Uh, and you can burn discs for them, too. That's the best yeah, part. That's the, that's, yeah. the, that's the appeal of it, because I have one. I don't really play it very much. Uh, we I mean, I own, a, I own all these retro consoles. I hardly ever play them. That's fair. We play Sonic Adventure. Sometimes when I do play them, good. they're great. Exactly. Yeah, like there was a morning where I was just sitting on the floor playing Ninja Gaiden 2. Like I was like five again. Mm-hmm. And it was Saturday mm-hmm. morning. I'm like, this is the perfect Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Playing Ninja mm-hmm. Gaiden 2 uh, in my pajamas on the floor. Just, this is wonderful. It's like ni- 1991 again. But That's every day for me. Oh, uh, <laughs> all bless. Um, I, yeah, but <clears throat> sorry. Uh, if I... I go to Experience Share somewhat. They're they're the ones who donated all of those wonderful uh, prizes for the uh, the charity stream, which will be going out pretty soon, including the Xbox. Thank you so much, Experience Share. And they have a really good con- collection of import Dreamcast games. Ooh. So if I were to get a Dreamcast, I would want a Japanese version or mm-hmm. a region broken one, and then I would play a lot of these games like. Um, Oh, like all of the G-Rev shmups that came mm-hmm. out on mm-hmm. the Dreamcast? Oh, it was a killer shmup machine. And, you know, there's all the usual arcade games. It was a hell of an arcade machine. Yes. Um, yeah. As good as, as much as we loved the American release, I think the Japanese version of Dreamcast was even, it was that much better, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Was that the uh, the retro ga- the shop that you mentioned? That was the local shop that donated all that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were hanging out in the stream, too. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, they're great. He went above and beyond. Shout out to Marvel. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. a real one. He actually managed to mod my PS2 so I can play Japanese and American games. Oh, um, sweet. Without any problems whatsoever. So sometimes I pop in Super Robot Wars Alpha 3, which, uh, interestingly enough, I'm trying to figure out why I like it a lot more than Super Robot Wars 30. I'm like, I thought I was burned out on Super Robot Wars, but actually I like the old games just fine. So I don't know. Maybe it's just current Super Robot Wars that's burning, Mm. boring me a little bit. But um, yeah, we'll see about the Sega Mini 2 thing. Um, I I think that, yeah, if it gets Popful Mail and Lunar and such, I I may spring for one. Yeah, Um, for sure. Also, I I think I probably mentioned this in the console RPG quest for the Sega Genesis, but I've never owned a Genesis. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I didn't really own one until my husband like had his and we got married and we kind of combined our, our game collections and ended up with like 60 copies of Mega Man Legends. (laughs) <laughs> That's when I finally really owned, quote unquote, a Genesis. Yeah, I I mean, when I was a, a small, small kid uh, and then heading into preteens, my parents would not buy me a 16-bit console. And I would have taken uh, either. I would have taken a Genesis. I would, have, I would have killed to have Sonic. I would have killed to have a Super Nintendo. Just give me one. But my parents were like, hell no. And if mm-hmm. I had been smart, I could have saved up the money and bought one. But I was not smart. I was a stupid kid. So, uh, so I bought bad PC games instead, but I, um, I yeah, scrolled no, up my money until I got it. So I eventually got a Super Nintendo, and that was very formative for me. But I never got a Sega Genesis. To this day, it's one of the handful of consoles I've never owned. I was definitely one of those snotty anti-Genesis kids because I had my I had my side, I had my Nintendo side. So I was like, mm. Genesis is stupid. Genesis is stupid. Pretending I didn't like Sonic the Hedgehog. 
yeah, I find it so I, interesting to meet people who are formed by the Sega Genesis. I'm like, oh, it's like meeting a space alien. I'm like, oh, interesting. They're like, oh yeah, I play Shining Force and uh, Sonic too. I'm like, interesting, interesting. I mean, I love Sonic. I loved Sonic and Sonic made me want to get a Sega Genesis. Yeah, yeah. Like that that whole era is an entire gap for me because we didn't have a Super Nintendo. We had a Genesis for a while, but it only had Sonic 1 and 2. And like I've said before, my dad was mostly a PC gamer, so we didn't really have other video game options until like we started going on road trips. And my dad was like, I should probably get these kids Game Boys so they stop <laughs> making noise. Smart uh, dad. That was when I fell in love with, you know, Link's Awakening and, and the Mega Man that was on Game Boy. I don't remember which one that was. I, uh, it was there just, were several. It was just called Mega Man, but it was good. It was fun. I died a lot in one. it. Um, but that that era has always been a gap for me, the Super Nintendo Genesis area. So, yeah, it's, it's one that I wanted to go back to, especially having later grown an attachment to some games like Lunar being able to see how they originally started is, is really appealing to me. Like those original cutscenes before they kind of did the anime cutscenes and stuff like that yeah. in the police in the PlayStation versions, the Sega Genesis mini two or the mega drive mini two will release on October 27th. So something to look forward to and kind of surprising given that I kind of figured that the mini console boom was over. Come on. Release an N64 Mini, or even better, a Sega Saturn Mini. I want a Sega Saturn Mini. I couldn't care less mm-hmm. about an N64 Mini, but I would take a Sega Saturn in two seconds. Game Boy Color Mini. Give it to me. Just a Game Boy Color that, that comes preloaded. That's, it's easy. Just do it. Just make such, it. I'd rather have a, such a GBA console. Mini. Like, mm. no, I yes. Know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the style both. of both. the original launch GPA, but it has the backlit screen. Yes. Yes. That'd be awesome. We're cooking now. This is beautiful. I'm into cooking this with idea. Nintendo just seems to be over mini consoles now. The closest we get is those little Game Watch uh, collectibles, mm-hmm. which I own the Mario one, but I didn't care about getting the Zelda one. I would actually be a lot more receptive to those if you got the original LCD game along with the thing. I had the Mario LCD, the Mario mm-hmm. Game & Watch. I always wanted the Zelda one. I never had a chance to get it. And I, I think it's great that they pack all this stuff into these little these little things. It's a lot of fun, but I really give me the original, the first the first one that did the Mario one was very interesting. Yeah, the Mario one was pretty neat. Um, I'm looking at it right now. But wow. nice. As we were just talking about the Sega Genesis, now is a good opportunity to move into today's main topic: RPGs inspired by Gundam. And here's one that I've never heard of. It's called Vixen Three Five Seven. Have you ever heard of this game? This is actually my first time. Yeah. Sounds like a furry's DeviantArt profile name. It was <laughs> developed by a studio called Masaya. And Masaya is best known for their work on Langrisser, which was a series oh, really? that went head to head with Fire Emblem back in the 90s. People really enjoyed Langrisser quite a bit. It came out in 1992 on the Sega Mega Drive. It was not released in North America originally. It got a a fan translation, and then I believe it was eventually released. But uh, it's really neat. It looks like like Fire Emblem, like down to the the top screen and everything. But the actual um, battle sequences of the mechs fighting is very cool. I'm kind of into it. So that is kind of very Fire Emblem. 
fire emblemy kind of shining forcey yeah the, um, this, the mm-hmm. uh, cinemas i'm really into the the cinema and the, the the art design and everything it has that real 90s early to mid 90s look for anime yes, yes. yeah, yeah. I, that's such yeah. a special time it was indeed a special time and the reason we're talking about this of course is because of the summer of gundam which is our ongoing series in which we talk about all things mobile suit Gundam. And I think that one of the things that you have to understand is that Gundam, its influence is rampant and it's had so much influence on major game developers like Tetsuya Takahashi and Mitsuda and Hideo Kojima, um, who uh, often all really, really, really love Gundam. And that influence has seeped into video games and especially RPGs. And that's why we're talking about it this month. Um, It's kind of difficult in some ways, surprisingly difficult to find RPGs specifically that are maybe mech focused, but I did find a lot of tactics RPGs. Mm -hmm. Why are they always tactics RPGs? Probably so you don't have to animate a bunch of uh, sprites of like, Gundam's going nuts. Mech's going it's nuts. It's the discerning palette, you know, that, that, that appreciates Gundam and appreciates the finer things in life, like a good tactical RPG, you know? We don't want to animate less. We're actually doing this because there's, there's a deeper uh-huh. reason. Uh-huh. Kind of like the original Gundam, the way they, they started is because, well, it's pretty cheap to animate mechs compared to humans. I mean, the best moment of a Gundam show is, is you know, it's super sick when the robots do fancy things and, and pull out fancy weapons and all that, right? But... I have a theory that has been growing on me Oh, as I've been watching more Gundam series is that the best moment in a Gundam thing is when a plan suddenly comes to fruition. And so, you know, somebody's got this, this scheme that they're working on and the battle's going all one way. And then somebody's like, ha ha, you fell into my trap. Like that's, it's a great, it's good tension. It's exciting. It's fun. Like, uh, there's there's this great episode and we're not going to go too deep into this because we'll talk about during the summer of Gundam episode. But there's uh, an entire episode of 8th MS team where they're practicing this uh, operation that they're going to pull off to capture an enemy mobile suit. And you get to just see them kind of practicing the plan without fully realizing that's what they're going to do. And so then when you see the actual mobile suit coming through the canyon and you realize that they've been setting up this like long uh plan to capture this this mobile suit it's really exciting you're like oh my god this is what they've been doing they've been working on this the whole time and it gets really tense because you've seen them fail you know their failure points and so you get to see whether they do it or not that's like that good stuff that's that tactics stuff plus like Mm. the clunky stuff of oh i lost my my mech's left arm and so i've got to like (laughs) use it as like a shield and stuff and you got to learn how to fight when you know having taken a little bit of losses but not lost the fight essentially you know that's all very tactical rpg you know that's it's not quite party-based rpg it's i have a more prosaic reason which is that they just wanted to be able to show off the animations of the 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 Mm. giant robots as easily as possible that's fair yeah yeah and the concept of and it's just really easy to be like okay you form a team of giant robots of various shapes and sizes. They're on a map. They get to do cool animations and you can equip them with different equipment. It just fits so well into the actual tactics mm-hmm. genre, mm-hmm. which is why 
Front Mission, Super Robot Wars, Zone of the Enders, Fist of Mars, Into the Breach, which is not an RPG, 13 Sentinels, which is not an RPG, Ring of Red, <laughs> Fuga, Melodies of Steel, and Vixen 357 are all tactics RPGs of one shape or another. I, I, I include Fuga in there because Melodies of Steel is basically... I just like how Kat's reading down my list and saying, that's not an RPG, that's not an RPG. <laughs> Checking it off as she goes along. Fuga counts because I think it captures the essence of what Mecha is, which is it's as much about the giant suit as it is the person inside driving it. And the fact that you can shove a small child into the soul cannon and use their soul to defeat the enemy is... Honestly, something I can't believe Gundam hasn't come up with yet. So, like, get on it. What are y'all doing? Getting a new type to power the wave motion gun. Uh, exactly. Whatever the Argama is. I I think Fuga is the most Gundam thing on this entire list. Because even though it doesn't have mobile suits, per se, it does have giant machinery. And more to the point, it has normal civilians trying to fight their way through enemy territory against Nazi-coded villains. <laughs> yes. And they are all trying to survive. And there are little kids involved as well. The more I think about it, the plot of Fuga is literally the plot of Gundam 0079. Like, mm-hmm. if you just make yeah. the big tank white base, it mm-hmm. is the same plot. All you're missing is the actual Gundam. Yeah, and and you just have condensed. You've you've taken it down to its core parts. But yeah, child soldiers take on fascist regime in their giant overpowered super weapon. Yeah, that's that's about right. That 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 fits. Yeah. Um if you're joining us for the first time in Summer of Gundam, I feel like every time I'd bring up Gundam, I never actually explain what it is. Mobile Suit Gundam is a show that was released in 1979. It's a war drama about a ship that is trying to basically to survive and they get co-opted into the military kind of against their will. And it's driven by a motley collection of inexperienced officers, civilians, kids who are fighting against impossible odds at all times, but are able to survive because one of the kids who ends up falling into the highly advanced mobile weapon, um, he's a, he's like a space psychic basically so no they're um, not psychic cat they're new types no no they're new types our dragons are different yes um but mobile suit gundam became a very successful and popular franchise over the years with many different spin-offs and many different flavors and many different iterations and the thing that's interesting about gundam is that it became very popular in the 1980s which was right around the same time as the famicom was experiencing its heyday however the only real Gundam RPG that we got <laughs> was, was Jeremy Parrish's favorite game, SD Gundam Gaiden Night Gundam Monogari, which is a very, very bad uh, Dragon Quest knockoff that is just he all grinding. He curses that game constantly. Like, I think he has a nightmare about that. Did you guys watch what I gave you? The It's just bad of the American Gundam game they tried to make here, and it was just had like the American actors, and it was all terrible. It was And Char was there, and he had like a, ma- a cardboard mask, and it was absolutely brilliant but wait was this fmv like did it have it was it was an fmv game it it was was command and conquer was this g savior was this the show filmed in canada no no this was this was a a game a pc game they came out with the gundam license but they 
And apparently it's hugely popular in Japan because it's known as a, uh, I forgot the Kusogami, I can't remember what it's called, but it means shit game. And Hell everyone, yeah. apparently they call like Char, uh, uh, Char Agi Noble because Ago is the name of Chin and this guy has a huge chin. So they call him that, they call him the, the Chin comic, Chim Conant, but <laughs> it's just like one of those games, I suppose, the way we look at like how Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had mechs and we're like, ha look at that stupid Japanese adaptation of, of Turtles. I like how they turn it around on us and say, ha ha, look at this stupid American adaptation of Gundam. <laughs> but it was it was an FMV game. I don't know, oh, Eric. Is this you... Gundam 0079, The War for Earth? Yes. Yes. Yeah, oh, I'm, I remember I'm looking, that game. Yeah, I'm looking at like footage of this, and there is no way I don't play this later. I, yeah, I you gotta play, play it. So you should bad. stream it. Stream it on. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't know it on there the was. Act of the Blood God channel. You just have to tell me there's FMV in it, and I am there as a connoisseur of bad FMV games. This is so much my jam. But they oh. have like, like I think Kai is a black guy, and it's just absolutely amazing. The whole thing is great, and he gets Quick blown up. Time point and click game. I love this. This is so good. You you, you gotta try it, Eric. It, it's just char and his cereal box mask and he oversells everything in like this real tim curry way and it's the opposite of who char is supposed to be that's awesome char played by Tim curry that's a uh that's I would an watch interesting that. casting choice yeah i would, I would watch, watch that. that too I love i'd tim watch curry. anything with tim curry on it in it honestly one of my first movies i remember seeing was legend because my dad was such a huge fan of tim, of tim curry in that movie and it's a great it's a really weird movie but it's really good you can see saw, how actually that inspired RPGs. That's, a, that's an episode. I saw Clue just the other, yeah. uh, just like oh, last I haven't year. Seen Clue. I'd never seen it before. It was so good. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about it, but now I can't unsee it. It's everywhere. He it's just, he's one of those actors who sells everything he's in. Like he was Slagar mm-hmm. in the animated Matameo. He was great mm-hmm. in that. Like he, he wasn't like, ew, a cartoon. He was like, okay, I'm the slaver fox who kidnaps children. Ha ha, Slagar the fox. What an incredible casting choice for Slagar the, the Cruel. It was, you are it was awakening perfect. old memories of mine, Nadia, that I was not prepared for. when <laughs> This... These notes said Gundam, all right, and somehow we're on Tim Curry is Slagar in Madame <laughs> That was a great adaptation. One of my favorite animated adaptations of anything. Like, I recommend it wholesale. Slagar the fox, Slagar the slaver. Matthias the warrior. So the thing you have to understand about Mobile Suit Gundam, um, and we've talked about this in our guide to Gundam. It's a special, the one where we did not actually provide a guide to Gundam. We just kind of vibed about Gundam for a couple hours but it was fun we had a good time um was that it popularized the notion of these giant mecha suits being Mm -hmm. realistic right and as a consequence there was an entire font of uh, an entirely new style of very realistic mecha sims sprang from it and Mm -hmm. one of them was of course Neon Genesis Evangelion which exists because of Gundam in many ways. I mean, yes, Hideaki Anno was inspired by many things, including, you know, kaiju stories at Sentai and the everything. Bible. But he was a big time Gundam fan. Um, yeah. Somebody was pointing out that when he, when um, uh, uh, Shinji was in Super Robot Wars, Hideaki Anno insisted on sketching the, the image of Bright Noah slapping uh, Shinji Ikari. He was like, please, Good. 
Good. Let me render this. I my heart. loving, loving frame by frame. There's just this just incredible shot of Bright Noah slapping Shinji Ikari, and he subsequently makes Shinji one of the biggest badasses in the entire Super Robot Wars Alpha series. So mm-hmm. really, that Does is Shinji the beauty of him? Super Robot Wars. Yeah, like just turn around and go right. <laughs> in the same way that like Madoka Magica doesn't happen if you don't have Sailor Moon, like it Gundam was the initial text that did, to be fair, like pose a lot of really dark questions about like child soldiers in the military and the effect of the war industrial complex on civilization as it continues to grow into space and things like that. But it poses a lot of those questions that Evangelion is then directly building upon. So yes, absolutely. Like Ava is part of that through line. And then from Ava, you start to get into a lot of the things that came in the post Ava wave of mech design as well, which I feel like we're ramping to right now. Yeah. And uh, mobile suit Gundam, of course, inspired an entire generation of Japanese nerds who subsequently grew up and started making video games. One of them being Tetsuya Takahashi and it introduced a lot of the tropes that we know in JRPGs today. For example, falling into the cockpit, the the, yeah. the notion of a, a character getting some kind of, a, a young teenager or something, getting some kind of powerful weapon and having to deal with That's the consequences. Very, yeah, it's a very JRPG thing. It's not something you see as much in Western RPGs, but... The, as you say, a metaphorical kid tumbling into the into the cockpit. That's definitely something you see in JRPGs. That's practically the foundation of them. And not only that, but the beginning of Gundam 0079 has um, the colony being destroyed uh, by more powerful forces. Is that not basically the hero protagonist's vill- village being burned down basically. by a powerful foe that they have to yep. seek revenge upon much later? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. That's uh, practically another trope. Very few yeah. JRPG protagonists then send their fathers into space, though. You know, that's a little bit. That, that's, that's still Gundam territory. That. <laughs> we need some more of that. Goodbye, father. <laughs> and of course, in the mid-90s, Hideaki Anno makes Evangelion, which completely turns uh, mecha, me- mecha shows on their ear. It refreshed mm-hmm. the Gundam. Like the, let's be honest, the Gundam... Uh, formula had gotten very stale by the mid nineties. And a lot of that was to do with Bandai Namco just being like, I don't know, let's just do Gundam again, but now it's pretty boys. Uh, let's just do Gundam again, but it's a uh, post-apocalyptic. Let's just do Gundam again, but it's a martial arts tournament. And then Evangelion came out and completely refreshed the whole thing. And Evangelion had an indelible impact on say Final Fantasy seven and Xenogears and mm, uh-huh, uh-huh. like a whole host of other games. Ergo, because of Gundam, Final Fantasy VII happened. Just saying. Yeah, it's uh, everything's. There's very little new under the sun, and I always kind of appreciate that about human culture. Because, I mean, I was just thinking the other day. I was just reading up on Stephen King's The Mist, and that's a great short story that's inspired so many weird things, like RPGs derived straight from uh, The Mist. Uh, for example, Legend of Lagaya, which is a very, very, as I said, C tier RPG. We actually mm-hmm. ranked it on during the. Uh, during the, the the stream, but that is inspired by the mist and uh, Silent Hill directly inspired by the mist, and in turn, uh, Silent Hill inspired uh, what's that show everyone's freaking nuts about that I haven't seen yet? Um, oh, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. You talk about Stranger. That directly things. Okay. inspired Stranger Things, and here's a weird one for you. It's also uh, Silent Hill inspired Santana, 
and Supernatural, the name of that, that album, because he was actually watching Rob Thomas play Silent Hill when they were all kind of together for... Uh, you telling me that Smooth was written about <laughs> No, Silent Smooth Hill. is not about <laughs> Silent Hill, but the, he was watching, and he was like, "What? I don't play video games, what the fuck is weird shit? And he named his next album Supernatural no, because I need of to, Silent Hill. Nadia, I say this. I say this as your friend. I'm fact checking this momentarily. Please do. Please <laughs> do. Thomas Silent Hill. I think that uh, and we have Front Mission listed on here. That's another series that like, I think superficially it looks fairly different from Gundam in some ways. Yes, they're both kind of more realistic war oriented things, but Front Mission in many ways looks a lot more like, I don't know, Battletech, I suppose. Like I almost get the impression that the the developers were inspired by Battletech. But then I also feel like it's a little bit like Pat Labor, which was this 1980s anime uh, about I'm police. I'm watching Eric's face. Sorry. he's Eric's face is just fell <laughs> or it's lit up. true. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was accurate. <laughs> the reports are accurate. But Rob that's Thomas the point. and Santana played Silent Hill together. <laughs> That's the point I'm trying to make here. Just the fact that everything is inspired by everything else in the weirdest ways. I couldn't remember. I can't believe I couldn't remember Stranger Things. I should really watch that show. This is the, wor- this is the worst nostalgia pit surprise I've ever had. <laughs> there you go. Surprise nostalgia pit. For free. This is what I get for not actually looking at Eric's like camera feed. I didn't realize he was completely melting down. He was having a meltdown while you were talking about... Uh, uh, front mission which to be fair i have not played any front mission yeah it was one of those games that i would look at like i'd be thumbing through a magazine at in the 90s while the the clerk yelled at me because i wasn't buying it and i'd be like this looks kind of cool but we're never gonna get this and we never did it was 1995 when it came out so by that point square was pretty much done with us but like you were saying cat very like pat labor very um Macross inspired yeah it kind of reminds me of jagged alliance a little bit Mm-hmm. In, in its own weird way but um i i mean gundam led directly to pat labor like pat labor exists because of gundam so mm. in its own weird way uh front mission owes a lot uh to mobile suit gundam um in terms of like games that were actual literal gundam rpgs uh, there are quite a few of them actually uh including gundam seed generation of ce which was actually quite pretty. Um, it's basically another tactics RPG. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very pretty animations. Um, it came out on the PlayStation 2. I remember because I had just gotten into Gundam Seed and I thought seriously about buying it. That was an interesting time for Japanese, like very Japanese cultural stuff coming over to the West because we were still, like we were finally getting a lot of anime thanks to Toonami. So the first thing that they could do when they saw, oh, crap, Dragon Ball is really popular now. Uh, let's give them a, a crappy GT game. Or oh, I don't know if that God, was the case with Gundam right. as well, yeah. where they were like, putting aside this this amazing FMV game I just told you about, what were some of the first like Gundam games to finally get a localization here in North America? Oh, some of the... There was... Um, I think the first one that I can remember is... Uh, uh, sorry. Gundam versus uh, Gundam yeah. versus Federation versus Zeon. Like mm-hmm. there was the arena fighter that came out in the early 2000s. Um, I think also because of Gundam Wing's success in the 90s, exactly. they started 
uh, localizing, like they localized Gundam Battle Assault and that kind of thing. But it was still very few and far between. Right, right. So they took grabbed anything relevant that was vaguely modern at the time mm-hmm. to say, okay, Japan's doing this right now. Uh, since you all love these pretty boys, you're all getting this PS2 game that's technically unrelated, but it's got machines. So there you go. Yeah, there there was this era, like the, the Tsunamification of it is important because a, a lot of the stuff that was coming over was not what was current at the time. So we were getting this right. almost weird staggered thing. I remember going into my local video rental place that would later give me Evangelion at way too young of an age. And uh, <laughs> I was looking for video games and I saw there was a Dragon Ball one, but I was super confused because Goku looked different and all that. And that was because it was based on where Dragon Ball was at, which was in the middle of GT. Right. And that was how I found out about Dragon Ball GT and then started printing stills of Dragon Ball GT in color on my dad's color oh, printer and R. selling R. them at school to <laughs> kids right. because they didn't have Dragon Ball GT. But I could sell them pictures of Goku for a quarter each. And then my dad goes, what happened to the color printer? It's out of ink. Oh. And I go, I don't know, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this color printer is such a ripoff anyway. At the time, actually, a color printer would be pretty expensive. And oh, the ink yeah, more so. Yeah, no, my dad was, ink is was still not expensive. Pleased. What are you talking about? <laughs> I actually ruined a few school printers, I'm told, because I wrote like fan fiction about Mega Man X, and people would demolish their printers, printing it all out, like in their colleges and high school. I'm like, yay, I ruined printers. But I like your story, Eric, and the color printers, because that's a lot of money down Cat. the drain because you can make a quarter each. I feel so bad. We, we're we going to talk about Gundams now because I feel like Kat had this plan for RPGs inspired by Gundam. And Nadia and I are on each side of the wheel, tugging it back and forth into our own nostalgia potholes. Well, that's the fun of this podcast, isn't it? Eric and Nadia's nostalgia potholes. And that's what I do. I asked it. But I mean, I asked a, a relevant question because you did. I, you did. I, I was thinking about that gap between translations at the time. And like mm-hmm. by the time mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Z was a thing here, like they were probably done in Japan with Dragon Ball Z, like long, long done. And we're on to GT, as you said. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was maybe part of the reason why even as these animes were were blowing up, maybe the games never saw the 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 same rise they didn't get lifted by the tide because they weren't really tying in in the way that like a spider-man game was later on you Mm. know when they started getting into the like okay we're going to license video games around these movies i mean they were doing it with batman and stuff like that even before you get to the era of like spider-man 2 and stuff like that where here's here's movie here's game it's about the same subject material you're going to be able to play play the movie the game street fighter the movie the game the movie <laughs> and uh, I love that. Plus video games. gundam never quite synced up i think it's same with dragon ball same with a lot of anime at the time and i wonder if that's kind of why when i look at this list of like rpgs inspired by gundam and then directly next to it the actual gundam rpgs a lot of these I'm going like, I barely remember the Gundam RPG. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, here's what happened. Uh, of course, Gundam Wing exploded in the late mm-hmm. 90s. Huge deal. And Bandai Namco had no idea what to do with that. They put out G Gundam. That was mm-hmm. also reasonably mm-hmm. successful. They probably should have put out Gundam X, which was a lot like Gundam Wing. A lot of pretty boys uh, mm-hmm. would have gone mm-hmm. over with American audiences, but they did not because they were embarrassed by it at the time because it was the first Gundam show to be canceled since the was original it? Gundam. Yes, it was. Actually, Why? just wasn't was very popular. Bad? People were 
okay. Gundam X wasn't very good. It was okay. a mm-hmm. That's fair. it was a side story. Sorry, Austin Walker. I didn't like it. I like bounced <laughs> off it like halfway through. It's just I, I thought it would be better. Has good mech designs though. But yeah, so they wouldn't put Gundam X over here because they're embarrassed by it. So they went back to the OG 0079, which let's be honest, American audience, American anime audiences were not ready for Mm-mm. a war drama made in 1979. No, for sure. Also, it came out right around 9-11, which meant that it was heavily disrupted in its uh, airing schedule yeah. here. And then Bandai Namco tried again with Gundam Seed, and it just did not take. And it turned out that Americans were not really looking for a war drama. They were looking for boys who were kissing uh, in their Gundams. That was, that's why Gundam Wing took. I was just going to say that was like the era of like Oran Host Club and stuff like that, or like harem stuff. Tenchi Moyo yeah, was like really Tenchi popular. Moyo's, uh, Uris, oh, what was that show that was in the early Fruits Basket? Fruits, Fruits Basket. Basket. Yeah, that was actually really yeah. cute. I liked Fruits Basket. Early 2000s. Um, uh, one of the early Moe shows um, that I can't remember, Moe. but it was in the early 2000s. Moe. I think yeah. I know the one you're talking about. It wasn't Haruhi, was it? No. No, that wasn't. It was like. That- wait, Haruhi Suzumiya? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was okay, just absurdly cute. Okay. So. Oh, Lucky Star. Sorry. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, okay. Yeah. You can be so, Lucky Star. So, yeah. So, Gundam is not hitting. And then the games are coming out and they're getting panned. They're getting panned mm-hmm. by the American mm-hmm. games media mm-hmm. and Gundam games develop a reputation for being bad because the, the games they put out are frankly pretty bad. Like, okay. So there's this game called MS saga, a new dawn. And if you look at the cover, it looks like an Atlas RPG, like, Yo, or maybe like near automata or something like that. <laughs> like, right. or even persona, like the main character looks like a persona protagonist oh, holding this looks good. one of the characters. Um, it's a classic JRPG style game. It has actually pretty decent graphics by PS2 standards, a little bit of a cell shady look. Animations are not great at all in this game, but you're actually, it reminds me of like the actual in-game graphics remind me a little of Star Ocean till the end of time, that kind of thing. And you are alternately on the ground and you're also in your mechs, kind of like Xenogears. And uh, the actual gameplay systems are quite simple. Um, in terms of like, you know, you have your defending, like you're building up actions, um, you're attacking all of the enemies. Your enemies are often like tanks and that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not extremely remarkable of an RPG, but like, you know, GameSpot gave it a 6 out of 10. It said, looks and feels dated, but it makes good use of the license and delivers a decent, if unremarkable, role-playing experience. (laughs) You know, it has like a 65% on Metacritic and like there are some people who are like, yeah, Emma Saga New Dawn, it's totally dope. But at the time these games were being kind of ignored. They were not selling well. And Bandai Namco eventually just stopped releasing them over here, which is too bad because Super Robot Wars and SD Gundam actually were pretty good. Yeah, that is a little bit too bad. Kind of like they stopped before they had the jackpot. I'm looking at the screenshots that Eric put up of the game. It kind of looks like the kind of thing that you would appreciate now more than it was certainly appreciated mm. back then this is this is going in the pandemonium pool i'm just saying right now if we ever get around to the pandemonium this is going in there <laughs> i don't know if it's bad enough to be in the pandemonium i mean i could see a pantheon mini it's like Lord of the rings I, I, third age kind of level for me yeah i i hate the little chibi gundams i'm just gonna put that out there i i don't think Cute. i've ever really liked a chibi anything 
and uh, this the the chibi Gundams are a problem. I was you. actually reminded What's... of Doozy Bots uh, through that. It's just bad with the Gundam game that I talked about earlier. Uh, I never saw Doozy Bots, but they took Gundams and chibi Gundams and made them into like a I guess a or at least they they were going to. It was one of those sabonified things where they we're going to completely change it for the sake of like, you know, American audiences, which worked for power Rangers, maybe not so much for Gundam. Um, one of the cool things about Emma's saga was that you could take the parts from other robots mm. and enhance your own robot and kind of this mm-hmm. Frankenstein mm-hmm. kind of situation. Cool. Yeah. So it was almost like a Gundam breaker kind of situation, which was like, it was based on the models, and you could like break the models and rebuild them right. into horrible Frankenstein yeah. things. Oh, and me, to- the purist, is like, "How dare you do that?" And other people are like, "I love Gundam Breaker so much," and I'm like, "I, I don't like I it." Think very I think I choose chaos. And you're like, "Mike I'd- Williams, log off." <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just Was Mike a fan? Uh, probably. Uh, I know there are like a not insignificant number of Gundam fans who are really into Gundam Breaker, but it just didn't do anything for me because I don't care about the models. I have to say to the audience, if you ever get Mike and uh, Kat together, I can verify they will fight about Gundam while you're freezing your ass off in a Boston <laughs> spring. It's pretty great. Is that what happened? I, that's what happened. You guys were fighting about Gundam, and I was freezing my ass off because I brought the wrong jacket, and I did this year as well. And yeah, you guys were just kind of going at it about Gundam and it's especially and Star Trek. It was there's also Star Trek in there as well. And it's just picturing this like Rashomon type experience where like cat and mike are both like we just had a spirited discussion while we were waiting for something and it's like cut to nadia's view and it's 40 minutes of standing in the freezing cold as they're like yelling at each other about gundam kids we were (laughs) at least walking but not fast enough for my liking because there's a lot of conversation (laughs) going on i'm kind of bummed by the lack of general giant robot games in the you know the late 20 the late 2000s what what year is it 2022 um yeah like you know there's games like super robot wars 30 nadia mentioned into the bridge which is kind of a cool kaiju experience it's not an rpg per se yeah yeah i do Um, want to play that one that's more about fighting a monster versus men fighting each other though i feel like we're due for a renaissance and hear me out here this is because we are in the age This is 2022, the year of tactics, right? We've established this already. 2022, banger year for tactics RPGs. It's already been fantastic. We're going to get more because the Front Mission remakes are ostensibly supposed to come out. At least the first one sometime soon. Summer 2022 is what they said, and they're running out of summer right now. So uh, with that, with Xenoblade Chronicles 3, there's some cool mech stuff on the way, but I think also just the general idea, hearkening back to what we talked to at the beginning of the segment, is that like mechs make for good tactical fodder. Like There's something very crunchy and endearing about building up this suit, customizing it over time, taking it into battle, uh, having being able to target individual parts and stuff like that. There's just so many good strategic layers to that that it does feel like we're due for a little bit of a return, a little bit of a uh, re-engagement with some of this topical material. Can I just say, Eric, actually, you bring up a good point. I think that mech games don't do enough. Like, the joy of a mech game is slicing off pieces, like shooting Mm -hmm. the legs Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. the head or the arm or something. Japanese mecha Mm -hmm. games in particular don't do enough of that. 
also blowing up terrain like yes it's so much oh yeah i think you need to have tons of destructible terrain they should be tumbling through buildings that kind For of sure. thing uh leaving giant dents in the ground people should be running around screaming that's a great that's mecca for you. I, I want that's that, 13 like, Sentinels. Yeah. Saying, 13, Sentinels. That's 13 Sentinels. But that's like very, I don't know, that's very, all, like it's intentionally video gamey, right? Like it's intentionally yeah. like we're playing in this virtual world. We're doing this stuff that is like very, uh, you, you have that wireframe sort of interface that you're working with. I, I think like front mission is a little bit more of what I'm looking for, has a little bit more of that grit or even something like Battletech where you have a bit more of that like just feeling of weight. Like this is again, I just watched eight, the mess team. And so I'm just like still vibing off of that. But that sense of like how heavy these things are. And when they get hit by something, there's an impact that they got to deal with. There's like weight and shock associated with it alongside the like Titanic size of these lads. So these Titanic lads. Uh, yeah, these these massive lads <laughs> slapping each other with their giant big old boy. guns and swords. Yeah. Big old metal boy. Before mm-hmm. we wrap up, I just want to shout out SD Gundam. I get questions a lot. It's like, is SD Gundam G Generation Crossways uh, worth picking up? Because I believe it's out on Steam. Um, the answer is yes, especially if you like the alternate universe shows like Gundam Wing, Gundam Seed, Gundam 00, Iron-Blooded Orphans. Basically, it's a Nadia game. Um, so nice. it's all the, the really fancy, flashy Gundams that are much more modern, that kind of thing. And then it has DLC for some of the others, like I, I believe Gundam X and G Gundam and whatnot. And I don't like the show Gundam X, but I love the mechs from Gundam X. So I like having them. And good music, too. Oh, my gosh. Um, so Crossrays is worth picking up. If you're a UC sicko like me, you can get Gundam G SD Gundam G Generation Genesis on the Switch. Buy the Asian version; it'll come out in English, um, and that has all of the Universal Century stuff. The way that the game actually works is that you start with very basic suits, and then you just build up, and you mm. keep unlocking mm-hmm. more and more suits. And there's like hundreds of them, and you're building the ultimate mobile suit team and you can have all of the battleships and you can recruit all of the characters and you can put them into the mech of your choice. It's a lot of fun actually. So, um, I, I have played through a few of those. If you go back to old, um, Axe of the Blood episodes, you can hear me talking about it, but, uh, there was real joy in my heart when I would finish assembling my team, um, and then be able to take turn, take on the, the turn a, uh, unlocked version that is like super crazy and awesome. So yeah, go check out a uh, SD Gundam G generation. Uh, very good games, but it's now let's talk about the summer of Gundam. We're continuing on with our regular segment in which we get an update from Nadia and Eric about how their Gundam watches are going. And also, we take a question from you. Uh, I'll start with you, Eric. Um, you just finished up 8th MS Team. That's awesome. But yeah, apparently, you didn't like the last episode. Yeah, what the heck was going on with that last episode? I don't even feel like it's a spoiler to talk about it because it's so weird. So, like, for, for things that happen in the series, uh, two of our side characters... 
uh, are out on a, on a search to find two of the main characters. The, there, it's kind of an epilogue. There's some threads left hanging, and they're trying to figure out what has happened to some of the characters that uh, disappear, let's say, at the end of, of the, the series. And it is doubly weird because the second to last episode of this show has like a very definitive ending and then it says Finn and then I was like oh cool I'm done with it and then Hulu was like ready for the next episode and I was like what are you talking about Hulu what are you on and I was like I hit it it was like one more episode of 8th MS team and I was like sure let's go for it it's this whole episode about kids who might be new types and and Mm -hmm. they just like crash landed in the wilderness and there's like this weird children of the corn thing going on and all that like it's it is bizarre and they bookend it to make it be like okay well here's why this is happening this way and we're going to give you a very paper thin here here's where they are now thing on all the characters from the show and then at the very end they do actually resolve the conflict and show you what has happened and all that but the whole middle of it is just this complete non sequitur and i don't i was googling it i was like what happened why why is this like this was this a launching point for another i'm convinced that this was something they put in there to be like well maybe we're going to want to do something in this universe, Mm, which again, it's the UC universe. It's not like this is already a side story. It's what was happening on earth while Amaro was kicking space chars ass up there. It's what was happening on the ground. Like we already know the story. So it's not like they need to establish a way to branch off. We got plenty of ways to branch off already. I have no idea what happened in that entire thing. It was very strange. It was very weird. Never look up the novelization of eighth MS team. Just don't do it. It doesn't exist. Don't worry about it. And <laughs> it's what is this? So, what? No, there apparently I learned in the course of trying to figure out what happened with this episode is that there are novelizations of Gundam that that happened that are considered non-canonical and are also extremely messed up and dark and you just shouldn't look into them just don't do it it's an abyss don't Anytime go there Anytime you have children on an island it's gonna get dark like yeah uh, you it, said children in the corn i'm thinking more lord of the flies it gets bad don't do it it's you 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 will live a better life just watch an eighth ms team because i'll tell you what that fight with with the goof with norris oh my god it's still so good it's the it best is, fight maybe some of the best two episodes of anime around and i love me some hunter hunter i love me some full metal alchemist brotherhood but i love watching those robots punch each other that's a good time every time so uh, never gonna be topped exactly eighth ms team might be some of my favorite anime mech content ever like it's really up there and it definitely has like highs and lows but i think ultimately now having watched it i can now feel assured that like what young Eric thought was indeed correct and true and proper. And I can now move safely on to, I think I'm, I'm actually going to start watching the origin, which is what you've been watching. Nadia. Yeah. Right? I yeah. thought you were going to watch it this week. You cheater. Machete order. Let's go. I was going to start it, but then I started botting my steam deck and then I started watching only murders in Aww. the building. Cause I just found out season two's out and yeah, it's, it's the whole thing. Well, happened. that's okay. I'm like 10 episodes away from finishing up 0079. And then we're going to jump over to 0080 really quickly. And then we're going to head into kind of the origin and then Char's counterattack. Zeta didn't happen as far as I'm concerned. No Zeta. (laughs) Zeta didn't happen. Zeta was a bit too slow. I gave Zeta a shot over the last week and there was just something about it that just was not clicking with me. It wasn't doing it for me. And so that was 
how I ended up on the eighth MS team kick in the, in the chat, uh, Oda, somebody was asking like which Gundam should be remade besides 0079. Cause there was a movie that was just released recently that was based on a particular episode of the OG, uh, Gundam series. Mm-hmm. And they, they turned it into a, into a movie, uh, with new animation and everything. And I said, I think Zeta needs a remake that isn't the yeah. movies. Yeah. I, yeah. It needs a 12 episode OVA that mm. cuts out all of the cruft and it fixes Char, Four, Rokoa, and Rosamy. Basically, every single female character in that damn show, mm-hmm. not named mm-hmm. Emma Sheen. Because, oh my God, Zeta had so many amazing characters and great moments, but it's also so feels so weirdly disconnected from the rest of the Universal Century. Like, you get to Char's counterattack and, Uni- and Unicorn, it's like Zeta never happened. Like they mm-hmm. acknowledge it that it happened, but from like a character development standpoint for both Amro and Char, you might as well not even watch Zeta. Um, I, all that really carries over are two things. Uh, creepy, Moe, cyber new types, and uh, the, the mech designs. That's it. That is mm. it. Really? Yes. Oh, gracious. Uh, uh, it's like, it has major pacing problems. It's just really frustrating. And I'm not going to subject anybody to watching Zeta. You could just skip straight to CCA after the origin. So that's the one I would remake. Make it make it good and make it fit into the more snugly into the actual universal century. And I think uh, I would be a lot happier mm-hmm. with Zeta. But yeah, that's that's my that's my cat take for the week. Uh, and that's uh that's this week's Summer of Gundam. Uh Wow, really good stuff. If you if you want more Gundam stuff, uh, go check out our guide to Gundam. We're we're just gonna have to have an episode where we talk about Char- oh, we talk about Charles Counterattack, talk about the origin. I guess once mm-hmm. you want caught up, yeah. I, yeah. Gonna, I would I really want to talk about spoilers, but I'm not gonna do it. Once once I yeah. get caught up on the origin, I think we should have a, a good discussion about that stuff. Yeah, we're also going to do a uh, a watch with the Stars of Destiny of Charles Counterattack. We just need to set a date to do that. Yeah, for sure, it's gonna be really fun. fun. Yeah, well, like once um, I I need to get up. Okay, I never finished Char- Gundam: The Origin. I only got like through episode four, so I would oh, like so to you're actually in for a finish treat, that too. Yeah, I know. I mean, 10. the final episode looked pretty dope because um, I, I'm like I'm familiar with the the backstory of the original series, and I've always wanted to see a, a show that kind of depicts the Battle of Loom and everything like that, and Operation mm. British. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty pumped uh, to see that in Gundam: The Origin. But it's like Eighth MS team. Gundam the Origins like releases were sprung, strung over like three or four years. Oh, and, mm-hmm. just, and each release was hella expensive. Here, uh, I'll show you something really quickly. Cat showing us something, everyone. This is show and tell because uh, this is for Stars of Destiny. Oh, I bought dang, it's a big ass that. box of Char's this is, uh, sorry, uh, The Origin. They were releasing these special edition Gundam The Origin Blu-rays and these dope vinyl kind of style covers. I was going to ask you if covers. that was a laser disc. If they actually get released <laughs> nope. on a laser disc. <laughs> no, nope. it's, a, it's a Blu-ray release, but the album art on this is so good. Yeah, that rules. It it's based fully on the um, uh, the, the, the manga, which Gundam mm-hmm. The Origin was based mm-hmm. on. So, Oh, I should read that. Yeah, so I was watching... To, but you know they would release one episode a year, so I kind of lost the thread on that. Mm, but I understand I've been completely. To it up. Okay, 
we're getting to the end of the episode, so now it's time for the Nadia's Nostalgia Nook. Nadia, take us home. So the other day, I actually took a nice day and I went to um, Tor- the Toronto Islands, which is like a, as well, as it says, it's an island in Toronto. It was apparently formed after some storms. It's, and a, some it's, a tr- it's an island in Toronto. It's Toronto it's Island. It's an island in Toronto. It's the only opportunity you get if you live in Toronto to ride on a ferry. You get like a 15 minute ferry ride and it's like, wee, ferry. And I think to myself, it's like, wow, people on the West Coast do this stuff to like get to jobs and stuff they ride a ferry every day that's kind of nuts that's fun i love i love boats so i, I would love that. to ride on a ferry yeah yeah you did yeah that's fun right it's fun yeah i love ferries i get to ferries go under cool. the bay bridge yeah so i just kind of had a you know a nostalgia flashback so i used to do all that stuff all the time when i would go to the island for school trips and stuff but this particular story doesn't really involve the islands this time i have stories for that but no, what had happened was I had a flashback of the CNE, the Canadian National Exhibition, which was is a fair that comes around every year and usually kills or hurts someone because the rides are so old and rickety. And it's actually absolutely perfect. I rode the bumper boats at this fair, and it was a big-ass tank of water. And I had fun, and then they call everyone back and say, okay, park your boat. And... I accidentally bumped a kid getting out of his boat and he fell into the water and was really upset about it. (laughs) No one knows that I did it. I guess now you all know. But I have you're like a monster. Oh my god. Someone listening to this podcast like that was you. That was you? I'm really sorry if that was you because I kind of just left and my mom was like oh how did you how did you like the ride oh it's great it's great let's get out of here let's uh let's go uh let's go see the horse show so i saw i caught a glimpse of the kid and sure enough he was dripping wet and crying and i was like oh dear but he was fine he didn't drown which was nice <laughs> plus those side. of you <laughs> silver those lining of, <laughs> those of you who listen to this show and are like part of the i don't know if it was an ontario rule or a toronto board school rule but let me know if you were allowed to ride the bumper boats on on rides when you were a kid and going on school trips because apparently someone drowned not that kid but apparently some other kid drowned long ago and they forbade any more anything to do with water it was kind of verboten when i was a kid because of that so no let me know liability. if you exactly yeah, so let yeah. me know if that was the case for you as well because i feel like it was a very specific urban legend passed around and of course my brother being far worse than me would go on school trips and go on the bumper boats and apparently, like, we had a, a teacher in grade seven who was really kind of fed up with everything. And he saw my brother riding the bumper boats against explicit <laughs> orders. And he gave him the finger. So my brother says. And I, knowing this teacher as I do, I totally believe that's the case. So <laughs> that's my pit today. It's very watery. Thank you. On today's nostalgia pit, Nadia drowns a kid. I didn't drown him. <laughs> he got out. Parentheses he got almost. <laughs> He was all right. I feel like when Nadia has a nostalgia flashback, that's like the new type flash from Gundam. <laughs> it's a Gundam. The little, the little jingle. It's a little it's flash. Like, <laughs> little jingle. <laughs> oh my God, she's having a nostalgia flashback. Watch out. Everyone run. <laughs> What's amazing to me is that she's just this bottomless font of 
nostalgia mm-hmm. flashbacks that are alternately wholesome and horrifying. I don't know what my deal is. I just remember things very clearly. I Maybe it's just a trait of mine. I don't know. You're wonderfully broken, and that's why you're a wonderful podcaster, Nadia. Okay. Exactly. And you stumble into adventure in the weirdest ways. As somebody that's who has now spent real lifetime with you, you somehow cause adventure around you. It's like an aura. It's true. It's, <laughs> it is. You just Nadia attract be a great anime character. Exactly. It's, it's really incredible. Haruhi Su- Suzumiya right here is, is Nadia. <laughs> I'd never even thought of myself as weird or different because I think I've worked so many weird and different jobs that everyone there was just completely nuts to begin with. So I was just, oh, I'm actually the normal one. I'm actually the grounded one amongst these people. I want to go somewhere where Nadia is the normal one. That's that's a great one. <laughs> oh, I had some. That was the grooming job mostly. Like anytime you work with animals, you're you're working with some real people. I'll say that much. You're working with you're people. working with some people, also some animals. Um, I just remembered, by the way, that the show we were trying to remember was Azumanga Dio. Oh, oh, that was a great show. Yukure Michan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was a lot of fun that was the one with Osaka this episode of Blood God is just about mid 2000s anime now (laughs) let's remember some anime (laughs) finally we pivoted (laughs) I just remember the dog was called Mr. Takahashi the big great Pyrenees Mr. Takahashi that was a cute name and that's it that's it for this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God thank you so much for listening as always we'll be back next week to be talking about Live Alive which will be coming out next week we're going to have special guest reb valentine on we're going to be about an hour later than usual for the recording of our live show in order to accommodate her so 6 p.m for our stars of destiny in the meantime if you enjoyed the show once again go ahead and leave a review on the podcatcher of your choice it brightens her day and also helps the visibility of the podcast if you missed the top 10 ranking episode of the party ranking um and you're not a patron that will be out for free uh, on the free feed in just a couple days. So you'll be able to check that out. Like I said, Acts of Blood God listeners be eaten at the moment. If you enjoyed the show and you want to support us, we're on patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where as little as $5 will gain you access to tons of special content, including the Summer of Gundam, the Summer of the Rings, uh, various game developer quests, our big discussion about Neon Genesis Evangelion, our rankings of Cowboy Bebop, which actually is on the free feed now that I think about it, but whatever. Um, yeah, lots and lots of great stuff at the $5 level and above. Go and check it out. We'll be back next week, as always, to talk more about the genre we love. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, myself, thanks for listening and happy adventuring. <laughs> <laughs>